If you were here about a month ago, we started a series called Act, Love, Walk, and I was talking to a couple of students on Sunday, and I was like, you know, I just don't really, I'm not really feeling it. I don't really feel like that's where we're supposed to go, and I don't know where we're supposed to go uh, this, this week. And I feel like this is kind of an important week because um, you guys are getting ready to start your, your next year, and, and before you know it, um, you're going to be this time next year, and you're gonna, this whole year is going to be uh, ha- have blown by. Let me ask you this. How many um, seniors do we have now? This year, you're a senior. Okay, we've got a couple here. Just two? Okay, yeah, Caitlin, there you go. She's back there. Okay, we got a couple students, and, and Bub is helping us out back there. By the way, I high-five them on the way out. They're helping me out big time. Here's the deal. I just want to talk about Jesus, and I don't know if you can tell that by this by this video, but, but I just want to talk about Jesus tonight because God has is, is, is kind of worked with me in a different way this week, and, and I feel like he's done that in a way so that, <clears throat> honestly, so that I don't depend on myself up here because I really, really, really like series, and I really like flow, and I really like um, a, a certain way of doing things, and I'm just going to be honest with you. What I'm about to do is highly, highly out of my own realm of of, of, of my, my normal course of action, okay, my routine. Um, in fact, one of the things that I like to do is teach you guys one small thing and kind of expand it and micro- microscope it and, and look at it from a couple different angles. And let me just kind of give you guys a heads up on what we're going to do tonight. Um, I am going to take you through my devotions this week. And I'm going to hit the highlights for you because there's this weird... Um, tie through where I think that, in a way, God is, is telling me, what if this is what your year looked like? What if, what if these seven points out of the, the, the couple verses that I read, what if those were the things that we focused on? And there's this idea of being radical that kind of uh, permeates through them, and I'm reading this book called Radical right now by a pastor named David Platt. Um, if you're a reader, are there anybody just like you recreationally read? There, there's a couple in here. Okay. All right. How many of you, you don't even like the Bible because it's a book? Is anybody in here? You're not willing to say that, are you? Okay, a couple. All right. Let's be honest. I like that. Um, so so he's, he's, he's written this book. Um, he's a guy that went overseas and saw some stuff, and he saw the way life was happening. And then he came back to the United States and saw how we were living and it blew his mind that we would think so selfishly of ourselves after he went over. So he wrote this book, and this book was basically uh, writings about his own church and about the direction that they were going to go in, and they were like, you really need to publish this. And I really wanted to kind of share a quote from the book with you real quick, and it's kind of long, but it's going to be on the screen, and you can either follow along or just listen up. It says, consider Mark 10, another time a potential follower showed up. Here was a guy who was young, rich, intelligent, and influential. He was a prime prospect, to say the least. Not only that, but he was eager and ready to go. He came running up to Jesus, bowed at his feet, and said, What must I do to inherit eternal life? If, it were, if I were in Jesus' shoes, or if we were in Jesus' shoes, we probably would be thinking, this is our chance. A simple, pray this prayer, sign the card, bow your head, and repeat after me. And this guy is in. Then think about what a guy like this, with all his influence and prestige, can do. We can get him on the circuit. We can start sharing his testimony, signing books, raising money for the cause. This one is a no-brainer. We have to get him in. 
<laughs> and then he, he continues, unfortunately, Jesus didn't have the personal evangelism, evangelism books that we have today that tell us how to draw the net and close the sail. Instead, Jesus told him one thing, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. What was he thinking? Jesus had committed the classic blunder of letting the big fish get away. The cost was too high, yet the kind of abandonment Jesus asked of the rich young man is of the care of Jesus' invitation. I'm sorry, the core. I'm like, reading that doesn't make sense. Let me read that again. Yet the kind of abandonment Jesus asked of the rich young man is at the core of Jesus' invitation throughout the Gospels. And that's David Platt. And, and he says that, and I'm kind of like, ah, you know. Um, Jesus actually... Um, uh, it, he and I, I hope maybe you brought your Bible, maybe you didn't. Um, but we're going to read some stuff where he's asking some bold, bold, bold things of his followers, and, and even those who didn't follow him. I mean, this guy he wanted to follow him, but he didn't make the cut because he didn't want to give up everything, which is a pretty big thing, right? Like this guy. I mean, put him in our terms. Um, I imagine a guy like Steve Jobs who owns Apple, you know, and, and is, is the man when it comes to electronics and stuff like that, walks up to Jesus and says, what do I need to do to follow you? And he's like, sell Apple, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, then we'll talk. And what does a guy like that do? He walks away. In the Bible, it says he walks away sad because he had so much. And so what I want to do tonight is kind of set us up for the fall and for the school year because I really, 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 really think and I'm looking at myself in the mirror when I, when I say all this, that, that if we met Jesus today, I'm not sure we would continue living the way we're living. And if we lived in the times that they lived in, I'm not sure that we would, I bet we would smack ourselves in the face knowing the way we live and the way we do things, and the way we do church, and how selfish we are sometimes, whether it's with our stuff or with with Jesus' message that we're supposed to be out there sharing, I feel like if we met Jesus today, we would fall on our knees and we would just start crying because, not only because he's so holy and because we're not, but because we've mistaken what it's like to be a Christian. And I would be willing to say that a lot of people in this room probably think they're a Christian, but aren't. Because you've bought into a lie that Christianity is to say the prayer and then come to church, you know, make sure you come to church and make sure you're baptized and, and do, 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 do. When Jesus has already done it all, he paid for it. And so, so I'm reading this, the, the, these passages. Um, and just to kind of tell you, I, I dove in um, in Matthew 5 and I just started reading and I couldn't stop. Um, and, and it's called the Beatitudes and, and, and right at the beginning, um, the Beatitudes and Sermon on the Mount. And I kept reading on through chapter um, 10, and I just, I, I've been kind of soaking it up. So if you have a notebook, I tweeted today that you should bring a notebook, and if you did, that's awesome. If you didn't, that's okay. Um, uh, I would encourage you to write some of this stuff down. Some of you are going to text me tonight, and you're going to say, what were those verses? Because they're powerful verses. What I'm going to try to do is post them on Facebook tonight in a status, or I'll put them on 1010 blog or something like that. But I want you guys to get it, okay? And, and, and what I want to do, I want to ask this of you. I want you all to raise your hand just like this. Just like this, everybody. There's no people too cool for this. I want you to say, God, and you can say this in your heart. We don't have to be cultish about it. Say, God, 
I'm okay with whatever you have to say to me tonight. Because it's your word, not mine. You created this world and I didn't. It's about you and not me. And if you can honestly say that right now, I'm going to pray for us. And if you want to kind of pray, you can, you can put your hands down. If you want to say that oath before God, then do it in this next 30 seconds because we're about to go on a ride, okay? And if you want to shut God off, that's your choice. But I think he has something good to say to us today. And it's not me. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with the words we're about to read. So let's pray real quick, and I'm going to pray for you guys. Heavenly Father, God, we are about to go on like a 90-mile-an-hour journey through a couple chapters, and we're going to hit some highlights, God. And I just ask that you would bless the reading of your word. I pray that you would allow me to communicate it in a way that honors you, and I pray that the students would soak it up. And I pray that it wouldn't just be because we're in church and because we feel good and maybe, maybe that, but, but God, because you created all this and you're telling us how to live the best way possible, and I don't want us to ignore that. So God, I ask that you would bless this. I pray that you would allow us to move forward in a way that honors you. God, and it's all for your glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so here's the deal. I started in chapter 5. Um, I'm, I'm not going to start my notes until chapter 6, okay? And, and I'm going to give you the heads up for those of you that are writing, because you're going to have to write fast. Um, and for those of you that are just watching the screens, I started typing all the verses in, and there are so many verses that, like, carpal tunnel started setting in, and I was just like, forget it. I'm just going to give them the verses, and y'all can go and read these throughout next week. And maybe I'm just giving you something to, to, to kind of get your week started with or your devotions or something like that. Um, so, so, so that's what we're going to do. And, and I'm just giving you my devotions, so, so let's kick it off. Um, in Matthew 6, 25 through 34, um, Jesus is talking, okay, and he's in the middle of a sermon. This joker, and I can just call Jesus a joker, that's probably really irreverent. This guy, this man, this God is telling these people a whole bunch of stuff. Now, to his uh, benefit, he's, this is like the first thing that he's doing. This is where his ministry pretty much started. He had called a couple guys and asked them to come along, but I, I'm pretty sure that, you know, and God knew everything as he was walking along. But I wouldn't be surprised because it's chapter 4 and chapter 5. In chapter 4, he's calling like Matthew and stuff like that. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Peter and, and those guys, the fishermen. And he's, he's, he's I, 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 would, I would picture this, that maybe he's on his way to preach and, and, and he just saw them. And it was on purpose, but maybe he just saw them and was like, you want to follow me? And then they, they you know, a couple of them different, di had different circumstances how God called them to follow him. But uh, he calls him to follow him, and they, he starts preaching. And Jesus stands on this hill, and he starts preaching about all this stuff, okay? Like er, almost everything you could think of in life. And he's talking about, basically, he's taking these last, um, the, these, these last couple years, and he's like saying, let's look at the last couple thousand years of history. And you guys have been reading all those. And I want to I kind of change up the game for you. I want to help you understand that, that those were good, but I'm going to change it up. I'm going to fulfill the law. So here's what, here's what he says in 625 to 34. Uh, he says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food? Is not the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, and they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather in barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. And there's an exclamation point there, so I'm, I'm guessing he's yelling at them, okay? Like preacher man voice. Um, and here's where he caps it off. He says, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles, and, and the Gentiles are the people who haven't accepted him yet. They, they do not do the Jewish thing. They do not do the Jesus movement. Um, they're, they're pagans in, in, for this purpose. And he's saying, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. What will we eat? What will we drink? For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And then he says, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Okay? The brilliance packed in that right there is amazing. Okay? Because what he's saying is like, I made the grass. I made the flowers. I made the trees. I made all of this. Check it out. The clouds and the sky and how the rain comes down and then magically it gets back up and then it rains again and then there's this cycle. He's like, do the clouds freak out like you do? Does the grass freak out because they don't have enough money to pay their bills? He's like, the grass comes back every year. The flowers come back every year. And he's like, and they don't freak out. Why are you freaking out? Why don't you trust me? Look at these animals. They're not going extinct. Like, I take care of them. So why are you worrying? So here's, here's what I see. Here's what I see. I see Jesus saying, murder your worry. Murder it. Kill it. Because the truth is, and, and this is in other passages that I'm not going to dip into right now, is that when you worry, you are not trusting God. When you worry, you are not trusting God. When you worry, you're looking at God and saying, I don't think you got it taken care of, so I need to take care of it myself. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of us have done that before? How many of us have, have tried to figure out our own circumstances? Guys, here's what, here's what this says to me. Every single problem that's represented in this room, every single problem, and there's lots of them. There's lots of them. There's big problems, there's small problems. There's people problems, and then there's like self problems. There's image problems, and there's like stuff problems. There's money problems, and there's like fear problems, and there's school problems, and there's sports problems. And guys, it's all over the place. And here's what I have to say, because I'm not exempt from that list. Like, I freak out almost on a daily basis about what tomorrow's going to look like. You know what I mean? Like, because I like to plan, and I like to look forward, and I like to build stuff up for myself. And listen to what I'm saying. I like to build stuff up for myself. And God said, no, 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 no. I do that for you. Let me do that. And it'll be better if I do it for you because my plan is better for you. And you have to come to a spot where you trust that if God calls me, if God calls me, listen to this, if God calls me to sell everything, give the money away and move to a third world country with my wife and four-month-old son, if God calls me to do that, It's good. It's good because it's his plan. 
are you following me? Like, if God calls you to do something minor and reach out to one person this school year, just one person, but that person is your enemy and you could care less to talk to them, his plan is good and he has a purpose for that. If God calls you to start sponsoring a child in a third world country because you have 34 extra dollars a month that could go to help them eat and be educated and stuff like that, but you know you could go to the movies on that and you could go to like McDonald's after school or Sonic before school or whatever and do whatever you want to do with your own money, if God calls you to do that with your extra, the plan is good. And he's saying, don't worry, don't worry. Okay, so almost immediately... He dives into something else, and, and I'm going to give you the scripture first, and then I'm going to give you the point. In Matthew 7, 7 through 11, this is the next thing he starts into. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Kind of seeing a, a rotating theme here. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds that to him who knocks it will be opened. And what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, okay, this is Jesus talking, says you're evil, you are not good, humans are not good, they are prone to evil, and if you don't know that by now, maybe just take a good long look in the mirror tonight. Maybe just write down all the evil things you did this week. You ever done that? And you can't even remember them all? Or maybe you run out of paper because there's enough of those things? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to you? So ask him. God. That's crazy to me, guys, because I'm reading that and I'm like, but God, don't I have to be responsible and don't I have to kind of take care of myself and, and I know that I got a family that I got to take care of and stuff like that and he's saying, I love your family more than you do. And I don't know who it is in your life that you love, if it's your parents, your friends, your boyfriends, your girlfriends and stuff like that and he's saying, I love them more than you do and I, I can just attest because this is kind of my life right now and, and I, I, I get gushy and I'm not going to get gushy right now because I don't have time to get gushy. But you're going to hear a fatherhood example from me like every time we meet from now on because that's just kind of my life. But I'm looking at my son and I'm thinking, I couldn't love anything more than this right now. And God is saying, I can because I do. I created him perfectly. I created you perfectly. God loves you more than you love you. God loves you more than you know how to comprehend. Andy loves your enemies as much. We're going to get into the enemy thing a little later, but, but trust Jesus with everything is the second thing I want to say. I'm like, this, this is just what's happened in my, my quiet time this year. I'm like, this is a radical thing to do. Trust Jesus with everything. Trust Jesus with my finances. Trust Jesus with my friends, with my future, with his plan for my life, which could be, which could be, Death, it could be death tonight. I have to trust God with that. You ever thought about that? Like that every moment, like breathe. Everyone just kind of breathe. Feels good, doesn't it? God gave you that breath. What if your next one was gone? That's a crazy thought. That's a crazy thought. And you know what? I need to trust God with my next breath. 
I need to trust God that I'm going to wake up in the morning. Because, guys, I might not, you know? I have, I, I have a, a pastor that I look up to. That's a, he's in Dallas. And he, uh, last Thanksgiving, um, got on a ladder and, the, and then fell down, had, a, had a, a seizure, went to the doctor the next day. Come to find out he's got brain cancer, just all up in his brain. He had no clue. You know, he had no clue because that kind of thing you don't know, you know, like like stuff takes over sometimes and maybe there's no symptoms. Maybe. Can I just can I just kind of throw this out there and like scare us all right now? Maybe there's something wrong with me right now and I don't know it. Does that mess you up as cuz it messes me up. Like maybe there's something wrong with you right now. And if you found out, I guarantee you the next thing you would be doing is you'd be praying and asking God for the faith to move on. And you would be trusting him because at that point, at that point, guys, when disease strikes, like there's nothing to do but trust because the doctors are just humans too. And yeah, they may be smarter and they went to school, but it's all about trusting Jesus. So what if we trusted Jesus with everything, with everything, even the small stuff? Even that being nervous about that class or being nervous about what next year is going to look like or whether you're going to make the team or whether you're going to make up with your parents or not. Whatever the case is. What if we trusted Jesus with everything? Because I think it's pretty obvious that that's what he's saying in here. The third thing that I hit, the third thing that I hit, and I've got to move through these kind of quickly, is in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. And this is one of my favorite passages because it's so short and it's so to the point and it makes all the sense in the world, just not to the world. It doesn't make sense to the world. It makes sense to us. Enter through the narrow gate. Okay, he's talking like gate language and path language and I know we like streets and highways, but enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to, you know what the word is? Destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. <clears throat> that means, that means, can I just let's, just, let's just pay attention to our culture. We live in a country that has a whole bunch of Christians. We live in a community that's like Christian out the wazoo, okay? And it's kind of like annoyingly Christian sometimes. Can I just be honest and say that? Like, sometimes it's all fake. Sometimes I think we're Christian because we want to feel good about ourselves. And sometimes we're Christian because it's the thing to do. And I think that there's a lot of people who are on this broad path to destruction. Like, and I realize I'm not saying anything very encouraging right now. Here's what I'm saying. There's a small path and there's a wide path, and you're on one of them. And I think... I'm just willing to bet that you know which one you're on. You know which one you're on. The small path leads to life. The, 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 the big path that everyone's on leads to destruction. Destruction. By destruction, he doesn't mean temporary pain. He means at the end of your life, when you die and you face Jesus, he's not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He's going to say, I don't even know you. And you're going to say, well, I was in church and 
Mark talked about stuff in the Bible, and I even went to beach camp, and I made a decision, and he's saying, I don't know you. I don't know you. You have spent your entire life ignoring me, maybe calling on me when I was, like, important to you at the time. <coughs> I'm, I'm looking at this passage, and, I'm, and it's making me look in the mirror and saying, which path am I on? Am I really trusting God with everything? Guys, I, I mean, I, I'm calling tonight radical because it is. And I'm not, uh, I'm not doing anything for my public persona right now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm telling you some pretty hardcore stuff. You're not going to go home to your parents and say, Mark was so funny tonight. He had his jokes lined up, and they were just on point. And the truth is, is that it's not about that. And I'm way more concerned with your relationship with your Heavenly Father than I am about being a good speaker right now. I have to tell you that. Because at the end of your life, whether I made a joke or not isn't going to matter. Okay? Whether you did something with Jesus that you needed to do is going to make all the difference in your life. Because a hundred years from now, it's going to be one path or the other. One path or the other. And he says later, he says, and don't think that you can just do the, well, I kind of want to have fun in high school and I really want to have fun in college because I've seen the videos and stuff like that and I've seen these commercials on TV that looks like they have fun and I, my older brother does this and my older sister does that and I want to go to these college football games and I don't want to be worried about whether I should drink or not or whether I should go to parties or not. So I really, maybe I'll get saved when I like, have kids and maybe we'll go to church together and I'll take them to Sunday school. And that's the life that so many of us lead. And I can say so many of us because 80% 80, 80 of you, 85% of you are going to check out when you graduate. You're going to check out of the church. You're going to ignore God. 85% of you. That means like basically front row, and I'm not saying these people, but statistics-wise, they're going to make it and the rest of the people aren't. And that should scare us. And that should scare us. Because I think, let me just say this, small path, wide path, life, destruction. Does that give you kind of a reality of what our life looks like? That should mess your head up right now. That should make you look in the mirror and say, am I faking it? Am I just doing church because it's something to do? Because it gets me out of the house? And I, and I can't tell you that. And I can't tell you that. You have to work in your heart. And I'm not trying to, let me just say this. I'm not trying to scare everyone into like getting saved tonight. You know, this is not what I'm doing. This is not going to be, Mark makes everyone cry and think they're all going to hell. You know what I mean? Like this is not my goal. My goal is to read the scripture and let you figure it out. Because you guys can. You know what I mean? Like because, like I said, in your heart I think you know. So I actually can't tell you what to do. When I was in middle school, someone told me what to do. I don't know if I've told you. Some of you haven't heard this story. When I was in middle school, I had a guy sitting me down after every single session on Sunday. And he's like, what's holding you back from getting saved? And I was like, I don't know, man. I just don't want to. I don't feel it. And he was like, but what's holding you back? And I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. I don't want to do it. And then one day, he brought in a speaker that cornered me. Listen to this. Cornered me into accepting Christ. He's like, well, do you want to go to hell? And I said, well, no, that sounds like it sucks to me. He says, well, you need to get baptized today. And I was like, let's do it. My parents will get off my back. Middle school pastor will get off my back. 
These friends won't look at me weird when I come to church because I'm not a Christian and they all know it. So we'll just do it. I go home that day and we eat lunch and I go do whatever, watch football or whatever. And my mom busts in my room. She's like, you guys saved today? You don't have anything to tell me about that? And I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm going to heaven. How cool is that? She's like, you, but you didn't tell me. And I'm like, why would I need to tell you? Like, why would I need to tell you? She should have known at that point. And um, she's probably watching this video right now, by the way. <laughs> uh, not right now. She will in a minute, in a little bit, because um, I'm going to put it online. Uh, she should have known at that moment that it was not for real, because it wasn't a life change. It was not a life change. I spent six years with an identity crisis, thinking that I was saved, but knowing I was going to go to hell, and wondering where I was in the mix of that. And some of you are there tonight. I, can, I, I know it, because you live in the Bible Belt where if you go to church, man, we're going to heaven together. And it is not true. There are going to be a lot, listen to this, there are going to be a lot of Baptists that go to hell. There are going to be a lot of Methodists that go to hell. There are going to be a lot of Pentecostals that go to hell. You hearing me? Like, there are going to be a lot, there are going to be some of us in this room, this room, not right now, I mean, not like, you know, all the time. I'm right now in this room, in this moment, on Wednesday night, August 11, 2010, who may go to hell because we've messed it up in our heads? You've got to work it out in your own heart. You've got to work it out in your own heart. So take the path less traveled. Take that path less traveled. Okay, I got to, I got to move. I got to move. Um, the fourth thing I wanted to show you guys is Matthew 7, 24 to 27. I'm just going to read it real quick for you. Uh, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And when the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against that house, yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came, the winds blew and the slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall. He's saying the same thing over he, There's this theme running through it. Which foundation are what? Are you trusting Jesus? And so here's what I want to say. Uh, because he says later, actually earlier, he says, um, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So here's what I have to say to you. Prove it. Prove it. Prove what? Prove the fact that you are a good tree. Because if you're a good tree, that means you are bearing good fruit. And that is here. That is not me. That's not strategy. That's not me telling you what I think. Good trees produce good fruit. That's it. Um, I'm going to work real quick through these next ones. Number five. Number five. We're going to look in, um, you know what? I skipped a verse, didn't I, Caitlin? I did. Okay. Number five, I actually just told you, so I'll just go ahead and I read it for you. Be a doer. Be a doer. Don't build your life on, on, the, on the bad foundation. Build it on the solid foundation, and the solid foundation is Jesus. That's it. That's it. You know what the solid foundation is? It's in this book. The solid foundation is not living by what you know how to live. 
the solid foundation is trusting these words, okay? The sixth thing I want to say in Matthew 9, 10 through 13, then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, it is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but I came to call sinners. Here's what he's saying, guys. You need to change your mindset about people. So if you've got people in your life that you are ignoring or you're calling enemies or you're saying you hate them or you don't like them or you don't want to spend time with them because of this, that, or the other, because they're not pretty or because they're not fun or they're not cool or they go out with this guy or that girl. I don't care what it is. Here's what he says. If you're not caring about your fellow man, then you do not get it and you are on the wide path that leads to destruction. You need to change your mind about people. And the last thing comes from Matthew 10, 24. It's in 24 to 42, and write it down if you got your notebook. I'm not going to read the whole thing because we got it. We got to shut her down. Mm, so much good stuff. You really need to read this when you get home. I'll post it on Facebook. If you're not friends with me on Facebook, my name is Mark Cox, by the way, and you should be. Anyway, uh, you can get inf info about the youth ministry and then stuff like this. Um, he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. That's the one sentence I'm going to read out of that passage. If he does not take his cross up and follow after me, taking his cross is putting yourself up on a cross every day, dying to your own desires and wishes. If you don't do that every single day, then, then you are not worthy to follow Jesus. You hear, are you hearing that? Like Jesus is saying, if you don't die to your own sins every day, then you're not worthy to follow of me. Now, that's not to say that you can't start. That's not to say that you can't, you know what I mean? Because that's kind of, that, that tends to produce a really depressing thing in us. You know what I mean? Like that tends to be like, well, what, why am I supposed to start now? If I'm not worthy to follow him, why am I going to follow him? Might as well live a fun life. That's not what he's saying at all, because there's a whole other side of that passage where he's saying, follow me, follow me, follow me, I promise you, because he says in John 10.10, which is the name of our youth ministry, that's where we got 10.10 from, um, it says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, okay? So, so the thief wants that for you. The devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. But I came so that you may live life and live it to the full. Let me just say this. Because the seventh point is it's all about Jesus. And I've got, I had so much more to say, but we started late and, and uh, you got to go. Let me just wrap it up. Let me just wrap it up. If you are picking and choosing out of the scriptures what's important to you, then you've messed up. And if you are picking and choosing which people you congregate with because you don't like them or you don't mesh with them, you're, you're missing the point. Some of you know you're on the wide path right now. And that should be something that you should work out tonight. Okay? And I'm not saying say a prayer. I'm not saying, I'm saying do some heart work in your own life. And we're going to take some time um, later throughout this school year to work through some of this stuff. And what, I, what we're going to do is I'm going to stay here when we dismiss. And there's going to be some youth workers out in the parking lot and all over the place. And if you want to talk to them, that's great. But here's what I want to say to you tonight. You have interacted with the scriptures on a very personal level. 
kind of like I have, and I've taken you through the, the, the fast version of what I went through this week. Here's what I have to say to you. Don't read this book if it's, if, as if it's some kind of fictional novel. Don't read this book as if it's a pick and choose. This is so important. Let me pray for us real quick. Heavenly Father, God, we, um, God, we need you so badly. And we need you to help us understand what your scriptures mean. We need to help you. I'm sorry, we, you need to help us understand how to live those out. And God, we need you to help us uh, with the wisdom and the guidance to, to know what this means for our life. Because, some of, man, we just got slammed with like three or four chapters worth of just hardcore, this is how to live your life. God, I pray that you would help these students with that. I pray that they would search internally in their own heart with what's going on. And I pray that, that they would respond in humility to you and that they would do what they need to do for your sake and not their own and not mine and not some emotional experience so that we can do something with you. So God, we leave it here. And we've read your scriptures and I, got, I, I just ask that you bless them. It's in your name I pray. Amen.